Welcome to the Bible Rundown, day 167, Nehemiah 4 through 6 and Acts chapter 2. Rob, you ready to go? I'm ready to go, baby. So, God tells us to put our trust in Him. Nehemiah, when he faces the opposition, right. prays, but then also sets a physical guard mm. in place to protect the work. Is he not trusting God to take care of the situation? That's that's a that's a really good point, right? Like we trust in God, but we also we also have to trust him in doing doing what what is is logical and what he's what he's called us to do. We can't just it's it's one thing to go, "Hey, Lord, give me a job." and then not apply for jobs, right? Like yeah. it's kind of like, "Hey, Lord, I'm going to do this." But then you have George Mueller, on the other hand, who just says, I'm not going to do anything, and then the Lord rewards him. So, I mean, there's, there's arguments to be made on both sides. Yeah. Convictions, right? Yeah. I think Nehemiah's not violating anything there. The key demonstrated in his work right. is a reliance upon the Lord. Even setting a guard, they're reliant upon God to be the one that resolves the situation. Yes. So... Yes. All their appeals are to God ultimately. It's like going to it's like praying but going to the doctor. Sure. Yeah. Your trust isn't in those things ultimately. Yeah. But interestingly enough, uh the these men, Sanballat, the Arabs, uh who was the other character that we saw, Tobiah, um they're ultimately put down even though they they mock what the people are building and try and discourage them in the work. Yeah. And uh, God frustrates their plans and they complete the work on the wall. But then, just like Ezra, Nehemiah starts to confront some sins that are going on among the people in chapter 5, specifically oppression of the poor. Yeah, that's interesting. It's an interesting topic there. Um an interesting yeah. carryover into what we'll see in Acts chapter 2 with the disciples living counterculturally, yeah. selling their possessions to give to any as they have need. Yeah. So what's God's heart for the poor? Should we look at them and say, get, get with it and provide for yourself? Yeah. Or is there room in the heart of God to provide for those that are in poverty? Yeah, help? well, in, in Nehemiah chapter 5, I think the, the issue is they're taking advantage of poor people. How many, how many people do that in today's world, right? A lot. A lot. Yeah. And so they're taking advantage of poor people in their position of poverty. They're, they're kind of taking it all. And, you know, it, it's, they have nothing left. And they have no way to get it back, to work it back, to recover. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of like having a loan that you can't repay. You know, you just, whoever the lender is has, has, has taken everything from you. Yeah. Anything that you work for, they take it. It's mm -hmm. just so, it, again, the Lord, the Lord is not uh, for that kind of oppression. Yeah. And Nehemiah himself sets a strong example. For 12 years, he doesn't eat the food allowance that he was allowed to have as a governor of Artaxerxes in the area, right? Mm -hmm. um, because, Why? He feared the Lord. He didn't want to be a servant who lorded it over the people. 
that sounds like the words yeah. of Christ, right? Yeah. Um, That's great. Servant leadership. I like how as they're as they're building the wall, they have one sword strapped to themselves and one hand at work on the wall. Yeah. The idea the idea is that whatever we do in the kingdom of God, we're always going to have people attacking us. Yeah. We got to continue to build and do the work that God has called us to do, but be ready to fight and guard off against uh, the the enemy. Yeah. And then verse 19, uh, just another question for you. So Nehemiah is setting the right example, right? Mm-hmm. He prays, he fasts, he encourages the people to be obedient to the law of God when it comes to dealing with the poor. Mm-hmm. But then in verse 19, he asks God to remember the good that he has done for this people. How is that not a self-centered prayer? And is this where we give the case that we ought to expect with our obedience to God according to his word done in humility that we ought to expect rewards for obedience to what he calls us to do? Is that Nehemiah's thinking here? Yeah, you know, we'll see later in Nehemiah. It's, it's interesting. The character of Nehemiah is, is un- imperfect like we are. Sure. And, you know, when we have narratives like this, it's not easy to determine okay, this is the way that we ought to do it. This is maybe not the way that we would do it. I, I would say um, this prayer, remember for my good, oh my God, all that I've done for this people. Uh, I think a better way to put it in, in our language that we would be more acceptable is Lord, have mercy on me uh, and remember me. You know, like that, that we, we say that all the time, uh, you know, in essence, he's saying that, but he's, he's kind of reminding the Lord of some of the work that he's put in. And again, when you're praying to the Lord God almighty, some of these times, some of these things are, you're praying what you feel in the moment. It's not, it's not necessarily all the time, perfect prayers of God's righteousness and holiness. And Nehemiah is almost like, hey, he's pleading for justice for from the Lord. Um, in, in, this, in, this, in this instance, it's goodwill from the Lord um, for, for, for what, what has been done. Yeah. And as we close out, chapter 6, there's this conspiracy against Nehemiah. Same characters, Sanballat, Tobiah, and Gisham, the, the Arab. They kind of raise up this these rumors, right? Well, hey, Nehemiah's building up the city because he intends to make himself king. He's, he's brought along his own prophets to basically convince the people to give him authority and power. And ultimately, he's going to, you know, reinstate, maybe in a sense, the Davidic kingdom, which they were the people that were pushed out of the land, right? right? And so they they have a case that they'd want to preserve their own life. But Nehemiah pushes out against that. What do you make of just chapter 6 and kind of this this closing thing and the continued opposition that Nehemiah faces as a leader? And not only that, verses 13 and 14, right? Is Nehemiah praying against his adversaries that God would basically act out in wrath against him? 
Yeah, so Nehemiah chapter 6 is interesting because the, these guys come and they're trying to trick Nehemiah into being fearful, running away, so that he has a bad name. Actually going into the house of the Lord so that he has a bad name among the people. And oftentimes, this is what happens. People conspire against God's people to bring fear into their life so that they will sin. Hmm. And I think it's very interesting here that this is their plan. Their plan is not to kill them, kill him, but their plan is to make him think that they're going to kill him so that he will fall into sin so he will lose his good reputation among the people. That's that's a trick of the enemy, especially for pastors, right? People say things and uh you know you have to you have to go hey look you want to do that you want to you want to say this about me you want to do these things then go right ahead because i have nothing to hide and nehemiah doesn't lower himself to their level no he, he could have easily assassinated their character for the people he doesn't so he turns to prayer and asks god to deal with the situation on his behalf yeah and and we have to understand God is the God of justice. He is the God of mercy and grace, but he also punishes the sinner. Yeah. And so when we uh, invoke the name of the Lord to be just in his wrath and his punishment and judgment, we are actually praying according to the nature of God. Amen. Acts chapter 2, big, big, big chapter. This is, this is your jam. Yeah, this is a big, big deal. My, my one question, Rob. Is it literal tongues of fire? Like, what would that even look like? Well, I think, I think, I personally believe that that it is what it says. It's tongues of fire. And why? Why is it tongues of fire? Because our God speaks, and he and how does he speak? He speaks through his spirit, through his people, and so I think the declaration. Uh, this is a sign for God's people, his church, to now speak in the power of God about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what Peter does exactly after this, is they speak um, to the people in a sermon, and there is a response to this gospel. And so I think I think it's perfectly representative of the character and nature of how God wants to work through his church, which is through tongues of fire. Hmm. Good. And chapter two is powerful, right? Uh, Luke's gospel ends with the road to Emmaus, where Jesus is instructing his disciples right. on all of the law and right. the prophets yeah. and the wisdom literature that points to him, right? Yeah. Concerning himself, Luke 24, 27. And here's Peter getting up and he quotes Psalms and Joel. Right. So you got to wonder if that final teaching of Jesus really has equipped the disciples to be able to use all of the word of God to explain to the world what's going on around them. And that's really the ministry we've inherited, right? Mm-hmm. We take the word of God, we teach it to all people that they may respond to God through faith in Christ. 
Yeah, it's an incredible. It's an incredible passage of scripture, and just the the incredible nature of how God works in the life of His church and the life of people. Um, something that that uh, we will we get to experience. We will get to experience if we are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's something that you cannot really explain how. The power of God comes upon individuals and collectively as a church body to proclaim this gospel in a powerful way in which people humble themselves and say, I want to believe in that God and I want to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's just a, it's an incredible work of God, right? Mm-hmm. And all his work. Like, so here's the thing. If the disciples were to say, well, we've been taught by Jesus... Now we're going to go and we're going to share the gospel. And they began preaching without the clear representation of God's spirit coming down from heaven to dwell in the new temple, which is the church. It wouldn't be glory to God. It would be glory to man. Mm -hmm. And so all of these things that we see here is glorious to God. Because it is God at work. It's God working through Peter. It's God at work in his disciples. It's God allowing his disciples to be witnesses through the power of the Holy Spirit. So when we don't give credit to the Holy Spirit's work in our life, we're, we're discarding um, what God actually wants to do. Mm-hmm. We're discrediting his work and, making, and, and saying that it's our own, which... Again, nothing short of idolatrous. Well, praise God, we have the Holy Spirit living within us. We'll see you tomorrow, Bible Rundown. Bye.